This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to Politically Homeless. I will say that I have had a little bit of a break here. My mind needed to uh, to settle a little bit. This stuff is um, not the most fun <laughs> to get into. Not that it needs to be fun, but um, it can be exhausting and draining. So we're here now. We got a good show for you today. We're gonna talk about some fun stuff. We got uh, let's see what we got on the on the dock here. It's something to think about. We're gonna talk about uh, how no one actually gives a fuck about the kids and they become a political football. So that's good. Uh, DeSantis and Trump polling. Um, oh, the Southern Baptist sexual assault allegations. That's really fun. Politically homeless voters, overwhelming, uh, overwhelming support there. Really good stuff. And we're going to talk about the Uvalde takes, um, good and bad, right? Can I give an update on where we're at with the Uvalde situation? I know uh, it's, it's predictable, but public interest in that whole ordeal has fallen quite rapidly over the past uh, several days, which tends to happen, right? Because we've kind of become addicted to this new cycle of, of in and out and up and down and you know, quick turnarounds on tragedies, but uh, there's still a lot of discourse there and some things that are trying to be pushed through and, and, and made happen. So we're going to discuss a little bit of that as well as some good and some bad takes, and it might get a little bit personal. Uh, might get a little bit personal there, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to rip on some pseudo-spiritual fuckheads. I, uh, I will do it. I will do it. But anyways, while I spend a little bit of time off, just like getting my life back together, I watched, I've been watching a few shows, some TV. And we're going to break this down. Um, three things I want to talk about. Three different cinematic experiences. First off, uh, yesterday or the day before, it was the day before yesterday, I went and watched Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick, and I'm, as you guys, especially all those of you all on the Patreon, have heard me kind of go on rants about modern TV, modern movies. It, it frustrates me. I'm kind of like a, a little bit of a nerd when it comes to this stuff. I really enjoy quality narratives and flushed out really good characters and things that are morally gray. And I just, I, I dig that kind of stuff. That being said, I didn't have a lot of high hopes for Top Gun Maverick. Just didn't have a lot of high hopes. I've seen what these like rehashes and reboots and belated sequels have become. And I just kind of went in with pretty low expectations, even though people were pretty hyped on it. Because people were hyped on Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness, and that movie was a pile of hot garbage. But I will say this definitively. Top Gun Maverick is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time long time now people will find the reasons for that in whatever uh whatever way that they that suits them right so people say it's like Sager, for example said it was great to see a patriotic movie i didn't feel it was that patriotic i didn't feel it was about the united states it didn't really i don't feel like it even really glorified the united states military it wasn't even about that it was about a handful of arrogant best in the world pilots put into a situation where they need to perform and compete against one another and all the fuckery that will ensue within that and the, and the clashing egos and all this other stuff going on on top of the backstory of the original Top Gun movie. And they made it about that. It was about the characters. Holy shit, there was a movie that was created in 2022 or released in 2022 that was about the characters. Wow. Now, I didn't love the Skunk Works Lockheed Martin kind of plugs, but they were using Lockheed Martin equipment, so I get it. Get your plugs in there. That's fine. And the way, I mean... the. They circumvented expectations. They did a great job. Tom Cruise was awesome. As weird as that guy is, like most incredible actors are weird. Um, casting was great, you know. And there was even things like uh, the 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 one um, 
female that was in this crew uh, that had graduated from Top Gun, it wasn't like a thing. It was like, yeah, of course there's badass women pilots. Like, it's not something we need to even focus on because it's just, it is a thing. <laughs> like, that's that's just reality. So we don't need to hyper-focus on that, which I thought was good, and they kind of give her, give her hell. But everybody was getting shit, right? Like, she was treated like one of one of them versus, like, a different thing, which I thought was really great. I mean, there was just so much there. So much there. And, and I like how they didn't name the enemy. It definitely, they were in, like, not Russia <laughs> with this mission they were on. Uh, not going to give away too many spoilers here. But, I mean, even for somebody who's incredibly uh, cynical when it comes to military propaganda and the way it's, it's, it's uh, portrayed in, in modern cinema, especially. Um, and I'm not talking about things like apocalypse, apocalypse now and full metal jacket, which were basically indictments of the Vietnam war. I'm talking about like, you know, the rah, rah shit. Um, there wasn't any of that. It wasn't that there wasn't, there was John Hamm as the, as, as the commander, I think, whatever he, he wasn't like, Oh, well the, the, the United States military holds itself to a certain standard. And, it does. It's a very low bar, but they hold themselves to some kind of standard, I guess. But it's, it wasn't like that. It was a fucking cool movie. And the action sequences were great. And also something I want to talk about. And I'm going to have Josh put up some uh, some um, visual aids here on the video. So make sure to check out the video version of this on YouTube and or Instagram. But if you go watch a Marvel movie, right? Which Marvel's made some cinematic kind of visual masterpieces. But it's all CGI. Right, they, there's an over reliance on CGI in so many shows. Right, they didn't in 1986 when Top Gun came out. They didn't have that access to the same amount of CGI. Now, of course, you can't like really shoot rockets at planes with people in them um, and different stuff like that. But so you have to have some CGI assistance. But they're using CGI in Top Gun Maverick as a as a supplement to to incredible practical effects like these people were actually in planes and you could see they could have they could have done that whole thing on a green screen just like they do in marvel if you watch a marvel movie being produced and you see the the, 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 like footage of them actually in this like big green room like stabbing each other with fake green knives and so it's like the dumbest thing it's the most depressing shit ever same thing as kind of like watching the production of avatar but avatar is basically an animated show right whereas is marvel's kind of a, a mix but you look at that and everything's fake Right, whereas you can see there's a, there's more stakes. You get more invested in something with really high quality practical effects, and they did an amazing job. I mean, watching there's a, there's a scene where you see the pilots are pulling these. I think they're pulling like ten Gs, and I doubt the actors were really pulling ten Gs. I don't think they were probably capable of that. But you could see on their faces the way that they were. It's like they were really pulling heavy Gs in a jet. Now they weren't flying it. But they were probably really in an F-16, like, doing the thing. And it was so cool. It was just a, a really cool show. And, you know, as somebody who's lost a lot of hope in high-quality, like, narrative structure and, and badass TV shows and things that kind of come come along like the first five seasons of Game of Thrones when it was actually good. Or um, I haven't actually watched The Sopranos yet. I know you probably, you're probably um, aghast at that, but I haven't seen The Sopranos. But I know that that's an incredible show. The Wire, incre- some of these, especially these older HBO shows that were really, really good. And it seems like now these networks uh, and streaming services have figured out that people are really kind of over that bullshit. They're over it. They don't need to hear the the message all the time, uh, as the critical drinker says. And that's fantastic. It's fantastic. And that actually, I, I saw that manifest itself in another show that is a huge show, uh, makes a ton of money, and had a pretty weak third season. First season, amazing. Second season, pretty good. Third season, eh. And then fourth season, right now, and the first volume of that fourth season was absolutely incredible, and that's Stranger Things. 
Stranger Things. Now, this says a lot, and the reason I'm bringing this up, because this says a lot about where we are culturally um, and and what we're willing to consume, right? What we consume says a lot about where we are culturally. You go to Stranger Things, right? You see season three was okay. It was, or season, yeah, season three was okay. It was, it was okay. There was some massive potholes, and th- it was a little, a little soft. And it's like season four, they were like, fuck it. Let's make a movie about, or a TV show about teenagers for adults, right? And the kids actually talk like teenagers pretty much. They actually use curse words and, and uh, rebel a little bit. And they made it into like this really cool kind of um, horror show. You know, which is really, if you think about the upside down, these villains and like using dead bodies to create like a, you know, giant monster, you gotta, you've got to go for it. And they were like, well, let's try it out because these kids aren't kids anymore. They're young adults. <laughs> you know, like that's where they're at. And that can be, that's like really, if you look back at the old classic horror movies like Freddy Krueger and these different uh, um, Halloween, these, a lot of them involved like teenage kids. You know, the actors didn't look like teenagers, but like the Stranger Things kids actually look like teenagers. But that was kind of what it was. So now they've got this really long, drawn-out story, um, which is really cool with some good twists and some good narrative structure. And they made it darker. And the reception, I mean, even my buddies, we were out at a, at, out of someone's someone's backyard talking to my guy friends, and they're like, dude, this episode, this season fucking slaps. That was the absolute quote from one of my buddies. And I'm like, yeah, it's really good because there's stakes. It's, again, dark. It's heavy. An incredible show. And they're doing a good job. And they were able to turn it around because they were going down a road of, like, meh. They were getting to meh. Like, six, season eight of Game of Thrones was like, we were already over it. By that point, it was like this has gone off the rails. This is a this is turned it went from like a really dark, slow, cool, developing show in the first five seasons to a Michael Bay movie that makes no sense by season eight. And um, Dan and DB, those those guys, like because they ruined it. You know, they didn't have source material, so to their defense, but they ruined it. Another show, and this might be my favorite show ever. Like it is up there, especially when it comes to superhero TV shows. Maybe not movies, but TV shows. Okay. It's a show, and you may not have heard of this, and if you haven't watched it, binge this shit. The show is called The Boys. The Boys is on Amazon Prime. It is um, basically what would happen if there were heroes in our modern world, like real Marvel-style heroes in our world today, which means they would be commoditized, they would be fucked-up human beings, uh, they would be leveraged for, and, and milked for all their worth and used as marketing tools for essentially this company is called Vought in the show, which is like a Disney, I would say if you mix like Disney, it's kind of, it's most like Disney actually, it's just like Disney, <laughs> but it's, it makes sense. It's a, it, it's, it's corporatized superheroes, right? That have an agenda and, and worry a bunch about their, like uh, their polling stats and what's going on. And it's crazy, but they, they go a different direction, right? Whereas Stranger Things went dark, Top Gun went kind of like neutral on patriotism and like enemies and rah-rah America, where the boys does an amazing job is just making fun of cultural bullshit from both sides, right? They have an AOC character type of thing that also is a soup who's like in bed with Vought and 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 was brought up in that and like can blow people up. It's like the craziest fuck it's fucking rad, right? It's a it's a rad show. I mean, they go to a theme park and they get in this like 
fight with one of these like older superheroes and they have a uh, BLM BLTs, um, brave maves, something. It's like the, the shows how they're, and it was during pride month when this came out, which is, makes it even better how these corporations are just commoditizing pride, right? <laughs> and, and, and virtue signaling uh, for the sake of making fucking money. And they just, it was a full indictment. It was so, and it was subtle. Like you had to watch it, but it was like there and it was so fucking perfect. And between these three cinematic experiences, I've gained so much more hope in where we're going culturally and as far as our entertainment goes in the future. And I want to just bring that up because it's been so bad. It's been so bad, right? These Disney Plus formulaic stupid fucking TV shows that are just nonsensical trash. I mean, this is for example, right? Um, Disney and Marvel are going to remake uh, Blade, right? Which, by the way, Black Panther was not the first black uh, Marvel hero. The first one was Wesley Snipes' Blade. And Blade was a badass movie. I think it was about 13 when that show came out, and I loved it. An incredible show, right? So, for example, you got Blade coming out into the MCU. Going to be an awesome character, okay? I'm excited about it. If you try and make Blade, which is a show about a half vampire who hunts other vampires, right? It's fucked up. It's dark. It's bloody. If you try and make Blade PG-13, it will be a pile of hot garbage. You can't do it, right? Now, we think about this, and you go look at like uh, what they did over at Sony with, um, uh, with Wolverine, right? With X-Men's Wolverine, and that final Wolverine one, right? The final one. They went rated R. Incredible. Best X-Men movie ever. Because it was a movie made for adults by adults. And that's what I'm seeing that's different, right? I'm seeing instead of a bunch of entitled man, children, and women that, that feel like they need to push an agenda in a TV show, it feels like I'm actually watching movies like I used to watch that were for adults or by adults and for adults, right? And I see that in, in the boys in a major way. But if you look at what Marvel's done, they've made a bunch of things like, like Black Panther, for example, wasn't that great of a movie to me because it didn't know what it was. It did, it, it was trying to do too many things. It's for kids. It's a, and it was, I mean, the, the best thing about it was the way they infused African culture. The women in that show were awesome, but the, the structure didn't make a ton of sense. They got rid of a really amazing character. Uh, it was just, it was, it just didn't make any sense. It didn't hold up. And, it wasn't really doing what it was trying to do. And I think this, there's this, these, these companies like Disney want to like placate to whatever the, you know, the, the, the topic de jour is. And it, it, it fucking sucks. It doesn't stand the test of time, right? Whereas you see more of these things now that are coming out where it's like, it's like, it's like a Dave Chappelle comedy special that really speaks to people, but in the form of a TV show or a movie, right? It's like, you know what? Fuck all of that. I'm going to say what I think. We're going to do a thing here. We're going to, we're going to make it good. And then if you don't like it, you don't like it. If it doesn't, if it doesn't fit your sensibilities, then fuck off. And one of the great things about Top Gun, for example, is they were like, China was like, you got to take the Taiwan flag off of uh, the patch on the back of his jacket. And they were like, uh, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And then there was an outrage, and they're like, okay, never mind, we won't do that. And that movie's going to make a ton of money. Like a ton of money. It's, gonna be, it's a blockbuster hit, like mega hit. The Boys is a huge hit on Amazon Prime. I mean, Stranger Things is Stranger Things. So it's like... You're seeing now that these shows that are, are really, really popular are sidestepping whatever narrative that most things are pushing, whatever agenda needs to be pushed, whatever, again, the, the, the topic de jour that people are upset about and focused on. 
and that's to me it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing but when we talk about like the future with like things like marvel if they try to make blade pg-13 there's no blood right unlike logan where it's like logan for example and i kind of got off track there but you've got a guy in logan right who has blades that are in his bone structure that come out of his hands that he punches people with okay if he puts those through the back of someone's skull there is going to be blood Okay, it's a violent show. It's a it's, we're talking about killing people here. Okay, now blood or no blood, that's the difference between your PG thirteen and your R rating. And you can't make a PG thirteen blade. It can't it can't work. It just cannot work. You know, and we're seeing that Stranger Things season one. You could have watched that with a ten year old kid and been like, yeah, that'll be fine. Maybe a little scary here and there, but it's okay. Season four, I would not recommend that for a ten year old, but it's been. Five or six years since I got started, and most of those 10-year-olds that were watching it are now old enough to handle what's going on in Stranger Things, and they're meeting their audience where they are instead of wherever you know the social justice warriors of the time need them to be. You know, And that's going to be really hard for a company like the Daily Wire because they've kind of you know, invested heavily into being the opposition to that, but it seems like <laughs> it seems like we're heading in the right direction. That's just something to think about. A little, a little tangent for the beginning of the show there. Now let's get into the state of things. we got some fun stuff to talk about. It's some not fun stuff to talk about. We'll ba- try to balance it out a little bit. Let's go. Okay. So I was watching Breaking Points earlier today, and they said that public interest in the Uvalde shooting has has dropped, which is predictable. We called that, right? Said a couple weeks, there'll be some distraction tactics. People will throw around bad ideas until people kind of forget about this. And we're about a week away from people just like not thinking about it anymore unless you were actually involved, which I'm sure those parents and those involved are still in a really uh, challenging place. And I definitely feel for them. But I wanted to bring up one story here of, you know, the term bad bitch gets thrown around quite a bit. It gets thrown around quite a bit, but I think we should make a change um, to the dictionary, all dictionaries, online, paper, whatever, and replace uh, the definition of bad bitch and just put a picture of Angeli Gomez. Angeli Gomez is a bad bitch. She says the Uvalde cops are threatening her for speaking out. Now, if you don't know who this is, I'm about to t- I'm, you're about to learn. You're going to learn today. First, they handcuffed her, and now they're trying to shut her up. A Uvalde mom who was handcuffed after urging police to rescue her kids from their deranged gunman, gunman who slaughtered 19 children at Robb Elementary claims law enforcement has warned her to stop telling her story. The same law enforcement that is now not cooperating with investigations. Um, once the handcuffs were off, Angeli Rose Gomez jumped over the fence and rushed to save her two sons on her own. Gomez claimed she got a call from someone in law enforcement who said if she kept speaking out about the botched police response of the massacre, she'd be charged with a probation violation for obstruction of justice. So now this woman's on probation, so they're leveraging that to try to shut her up. Like, oh, we're, you're going to get a probation violation and uh, for obstruction of justice. And from what I'm understanding and what I've seen, it's the only people that were obstructing justice in this situation were the Uvalde Police Department. That's who obstructed justice. And I hope that they dismantle that and, and replace all of those people, everyone who was involved. 
A farm worker, Gomez, has been at the school or had been in school earlier in the day for a graduation ceremony, then returned to the field where she works. About 10 minutes later, she received a frantic call from her mother telling her about the shooting, and she jumped in her car and sped back to the school. I believe this woman had to drive something like 40 minutes to get there, and she drove 40 minutes to get there after hearing about this, and the cops still weren't doing shit. Um, once there, she and other parents were branded as uncooperative by cops standing outside the school while gunshots could be heard from the inside. She says, right away as I parked, a U.S. marshal started coming toward my car saying that I wasn't allowed to be parked there, she recalled. And she said, well, I'm going to have to arrest you because you're being very uncooperative. Uh, okay. Gomez said she told him she, he would have to arrest her and criticize the phallics of law enforcement. Y'all are standing here with snipers far away. I want to go in there, she recounted, saying he immediately put me in cuffs. Cops from various agencies held other parents back as they tried to get into the school and begged the officers to do something. After a local officer convinced the marshal to remove the handcuffs, Gomez says she bolted towards the school, jumping a fence to get inside. She went to her son's uh, first to her son's classroom near where the fourth graders were attacked, then grabbed her second son from his classroom and ran with them out of the building. After she shared her story with reporters, she got the threatening call dangling charges that could be up that could upend her probation related charges filed more than a decade ago. Um, but Gomez said the judge overseeing her probation told her she did not she will not face new charges or legal problems and her bravery would be rewarded with a shortened probation. So they called and threatened her with a probation violation and the judge overseeing her probation said, "Fuck them. You're actually getting rewarded with a shortened probation period." Huh. Well, there's a little bit of justice there. So wanted to bring her up and just highlight Angelique Gomez, the bad bitch, woman of the year, 2022. Woman of the year, 2022, in my opinion. We'll see how that goes. Now, moving forward, you're seeing a lot of these things, a lot of these um, discussions about, and I heard this, I was actually on a, a roundtable discussion uh, about guns with, with somebody from uh, the Free Thought Project, another woman who's part of the like a pro, a progressive coalition, and myself, and then the moderator as well. And we talked about guns in general, and I kept hearing this line uh, from the progressive woman that guns kill more kids than cars do. Now, that was kind of astounding to me, and I didn't really, I needed to, I had to take a breath and kind of like say, okay, I'm going to look into this. And I did. So if we look at this, and this is really interesting, and this is all kind of coming to the fore because of this Uvalde shooting, right? So we're going to cover a lot of stuff here, and again, some good takes, bad takes, kind of a longer segment here, but... We have this this stat. This is from Washington Post. Guns killed more young people than cars did for the first time in 2020. So notice the language difference there. Kids versus young people. Now, let's make a distinction here, right? When I think about children, I think about kids pre-puberty, right? And then when you get past puberty and that like 13, you're more of like a young adult, like a young person, I guess, is, is a qualification. Even to like, I think it's like, I don't know. You have like, because I think like children are like kids, like little kids. And then you have like adolescence and puberty. You kind of get into like young adulthood and these different, I mean, it's, it's hard to classify what's what. And I know I do call like, I say like 21 year olds are basically children, which they are. But that's just because they're they're thrust into a world where they're incapable of doing many things. And uh, they do seem childlike <laughs> versus someone who's, you know, actually an adult. Um, that being said, and that's not everyone, but you know, that's the, that's the general trend. Um, so I think this can get really misleading and and there's no shortage of misleading headlines here. And young people dying in gun violence is a tragedy, regardless of how it happens, 
But like we said in the last time we talked about this, the root cause of gun violence, even though the end result is a gun being used and someone else dying or being harmed, that's the end result. The causes that get us there can be quite different. So I want to read through this and just like kind of look at this because this is a real issue that deserves time. It deserves a discussion. It deserves adequate ideas and solutions being brought to the fore. And that's not happening. So it says guns killed more in 2021 too. The increase is driven by the number of black youths killed by firearms. So there we're getting into more of it here. And again, the black community has just been, and this is something that when people say like systemic racism doesn't exist, I'm like, dude, first off, that's, that's idiotic, right? That's idiotic to say that. And, you know, maybe there's not as many things on the books now, like actually enshrined systemically racist policies, right? But there's one I can point out, right? Like crack, the uh, the punishment for crack is 10x that of powder cocaine. And that is racial, right? Now, not that white people don't smoke crack, but let's be real, right? Let's be real. What's the distribution look like? So black community has been fucked over and over and over again for so long. And there are lingering effects of that that drive things like gun violence. Now, I think that this is the, the uh, manifestation of just desperation and hopelessness. I mean, I think we have a hope, hopelessness crisis in this country in general. But within black communities, I don't think people are like, well, it's these, you know, it's black on black crime. Well, most crime is black on black or white on white or Hispanic on Hispanic. It's like <laughs> that's the majority of crime. So, what, what, what? Fuck off! You know, who cares? Like, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people, innocent people dying, or people that are young and too, too young to be involved in these things, like gang violence and whatever, losing their lives that they don't need to. And to me, that is generally an act of desperation, not someone's first option. Someone's not like, man, I should get into some. I should do some drive-bys as like a, a, a just for fun. I don't. I don't. I don't really logically see that being um, an explanation. So you're not really, that's more of a diversion tactic than it seems like anything that, that, that welcomes ideas and solutions. So let's go through this here. It says firearms killed more children and adolescents in 2020 than car accidents, which had long been the leading cause of death for young people. The change was caused by a 30% increase in gun deaths for people 19 and younger in 2020 gun deaths continued to outpace cars for that age group in 2021. The post found as the rate of gun killings increased an additional 8%. So we see it here as 5.7 for vehicles and 6.1 for gun deaths. The Post analyzed reviews uh, reviewed centers of disease control and prevention death records for people ages 1 through 19 from 2011 through October 2021. The research letter published by the New England Journal of Medicine last week pointed out that firearms had become the leading cause of death for those aged um, for those ages in 2020, passing motor vehicle deaths. Uh, let's keep going down here. Black youths who have long suffered the highest gun death rates among all racial and ethnic groups experienced a 39% jump, the largest increase in 2020. The rate for black youths increased an additional 13% for the first 10 months of 2021, the latest uh, for which CDC death records are available. So we look at this here, and, and it's just like, it's astounding. It's not even close. You have Hispanic, white, Asian down here at the very bottom, uh, American Indian or Alaska Native, which has upticked, but not as drastically as as young black kids. And... It's really hard to see this because, again, I say I don't see this as a symptom of the same thing. I don't see this as a mental health crisis. I don't see, you know, as a gun problem necessarily. It's an illegal gun problem to be sure, 
Um, and this is things like there, there's points to be made on both sides, and there's good points on both sides, right? People will say, well, Chicago has the most restrictive gun policies of blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, well, cool, but they can just drive across the border to Indiana and apparently got buy firearms legally there and then just bring them back. So that doesn't – it's like you have, a, you have a, a point on both sides. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not really from super familiar with the laws um, in Illinois, but I know here in like in Colorado, you can you can buy a firearm in here, Utah, um, Wyoming, and hey Montana. There's like an a lot like it's they all kind of count as one thing. They're on one system, so you can buy firearms in neighboring states. But that doesn't have the same thing because we all have very within that area of the country, we all have very similar gun laws. So there's not you're not really. Maybe there's something if there's something uh, uh something rare that you want to buy from go to Utah and buy it you know because uh, the Browning manufacturer I believe is in Utah so you can like get stuff there before you can get it here if something new comes out and that's fine that seems fine to me but when you have something like Chicago has very restrictive gun policy and then just across the border you have you know you can go somewhere else and buy whatever you want and then you have some really shady dealers on that side that are doing all cast purchases and bulk <laughs> bulk sales of uh, firearms like that gets real sketchy and those people need to be prosecuted. Like that's, that's, that's contributing to the problem. And this is one of the things where I feel like a, not a mandatory gun buyback, but a gun buyback option would be really good, right? Where you're even kind of overpaying for some of these firearms to get them off the streets, right? Create an incentive for people to turn in firearms off the street, just getting the less guns in circulation, uh, on the streets, uh, that are illegal, right? And I think there is a place where it's like, Hey, transferring firearms from one person to another kind of requires a background check. That doesn't seem that controversial to me. Right? So and a lot of times people say like gun control, they're just using that catch-all term to be like good or bad, uh, when really it's much more nuanced and we know that. So again, there's a big conversation we've had here, especially within these like primarily black communities where this is getting this is getting super out of hand. Now, one thing you won't see from something like the Washington Post is how much um, COVID lockdowns um, really destroyed, especially working class and low-income communities. Right. So you got more people out of the job, less they can't even go to work. Right. They can't make any money. So you piggyback to crime. Right. You got to steal some shit, break into some cars. Well, when you're breaking into cars, people don't really tend to like that and firearms be presented. So you got to carry one to protect yourself. Well, and then that goes into a thing. And then you get into a fight outside of a Whataburger or whatever. Well, I guess there's no Whataburgers up there, but a, a McDonald's or some shit. And then shooting ensues. And then all of a sudden you got another mass shooting on your hands because more than four people got shot. Like it's, it gets, there's so much, it's so complicated. It is so fucking complicated, right? And I, I used this line the other day because I do believe we have a gun problem. I don't think that it, I, I don't believe it in the same way that you would see most people on the, like traditionally or whatever, the, the, the left, what people will call the left now, like the anti-gun left. Um, I don't see it in the same way that they see it, right? But I kind of use this libertarian argument where libertarians always say, if your government has enough money to spend, send billions of dollars overseas, then they're taking too much of your money, right? And I know a lot of people that are listening to this will agree with that. If the government has so much money that it can spend, send $40 billion to Ukraine, well, then it probably has too much tax money, right? Government revenue is probably a little too high, which I agree with that. And if your country has so many guns that it's providing the cartels with 90% of their guns, your country has a fucking gun problem, right? And that's where the cartels get their firearms, mostly from the United States, right? Nobody checks a trunk when they go down to Mexico. And a lot of those trunks are filled with firearms. And a lot of those firearms get confiscated by cops in the LAPD and, and the like. They confiscate the firearms, never check them in, drop them off with a guy, get paid, move on. Those go down to Mexico. We don't have to worry about them anymore, right? So 
as much as libertarians may hate this, I'm going to use your argument against you. If you get enough guns to supply the drug cartels in Mexico with 90% of their firearms, you got too many guns in circulation, bruh. That being said, I'm not saying we should quit making firearms, but we should be really mindful of where these things go and how they're used. Novel idea, right? So, again, complicated conversation here, but I wanted to, since that talking point is getting thrown around so much, I wanted to discuss it here uh, briefly. Now, what else do we have here? Uh, House bill for 1,000% tax on assault weapons to be filibuster proofs, says Breyer. Representative Donald Breyer, a Virginia Democrat, is seeking to introduce a 1,000% tax on assault weapons through a reconciliation process that would not require any Republican votes. So they're going to go through this the same way they did the uh, COVID package through reconciliation, so it's filibuster-proof. The congressman said the bill is meant to discourage Americans from buying deadly weapons that have been used in frequent mass shootings across the country. In the past three weeks alone, shootings in New York, California, Texas, and Oklahoma have left dozens of adults and children dead. Now, yes, while that is true, uh, the vast majority, I mean like the vast majority of gun violence is, is done with handguns. Uh, I think it's around 300 to 400 people each year killed with rifles. I'm not sure how many of those. I would assume close to 100 of those are gun accidents, right? Like just accidents with guns. Just like there's accidents at swimming pools and accidents on playgrounds and car accidents and plane crashes. Like these are they're accidents, right? Life is not risk-free. So again, you're, you're, you're kind of picking, like if you're picking the one like rifles in general um, that don't really create the, like uh, don't really put a dent in in gun crime and gun violence. Right. I mean, it's marginal and I guess you could stop some things from happening and those aren't really often used for self-defense, although it does happen sometimes, but not often. Um, So it's like, it's kind of a wash here, but you're talking about a 1000% tax. And that just seems, I mean, that might as well be a million dollars to some people. Um, let's see what it says here. We got a quote. What's what is what it's intended to do is provide other creative pathways to actually make some sensible gun control happen. Briar told Insider as an in an article published Sunday while discussing his proposal. We think that a one thousand percent fee on assault weapons is just the kind of restrictive measure that creates enough fiscal impact to qualify for reconciliation. The reconciliation is a tactic that can allow laws to bypass the Senate's 60-vote requirement known as the filibuster. Under this process, the law can pass with a simple majority as long as every Democratic lawmaker supports it, which won't happen, Um, thanks to that douchebag uh, Joe Manchin. (laughs) So the numbers were here. It says AR-15-style guns can range from $500 to $1,000, meaning that a 1,000% tax could increase increase could add $5,000 to $20,000, right, which... I have ARs that are around $1,000. Um, so that would have turned into $21,000. Which, on my end, I guess, is somebody who has a bunch of ARs, that's um, that's uh, that's a great way to increase the value of what you have and turn them into an appreciating asset. But, again, when you do something like that and you essentially create a ban because no one's going to be paying that much money for these things, you create a ban. Well, we also discussed that the cartels, which already have a trafficking network coming to the United States, um, could just turn around and start dealing guns. They could start dealing guns in the United States, right? They've already got the networks. They've already got the pathways. They've already got the people moving stuff. So why not do that with firearms if there's a huge market for it? And who are those firearms going to go to? Probably the same people that are buying their drugs. Huh. So now we have... AK-47s, AR-15s, M-16s, whatever, moving into the hands of criminals. 
don't think that one through, right? And I just wish that the Democrats and the Republicans would, I, mean, I wish the Democrats would treat firearms like they treat um, like drugs and abortion. And I wish that, um, I wish that Republicans would treat abortion and drugs like they do firearms, right? If we could just find that common ground, the world would be a better place. But not going to happen today. Now let's look at some bad takes. Um, we got one here from Tim Pool says it should be illegal not to have an AR-15. Now, this is posted like the day after the Uvalde shooting, which I thought was incredibly poor taste. Tim Pool bought his first gun of any kind, right? He was like scared of guns for a long time, like two years ago, okay? Now, I shot my first like real gun, 22, uh, when I was, I think, five years old. Um, I had my first like big gun. It was a 30-30, lever action 30-30, which I brought up on the show last time. Um, had that gun for a long time. Uh, love that thing. It's uh, with Lever Action 33. I got that when I was about 10. Now, these guns were never in my possession outside of when I was with my grandfather who took me out to shoot. I never got to, t- I didn't take them out as a small kid. I didn't actually start going out and shooting alone until I was um, about 15 or 16. Uh, and even then, it was kind of, you know, we go hunting, shotguns, but we never, it was not ever anything crazy um, at all. It was always very safe, you know, ranges or open fields out in Texas. So, <laughs> somebody who's been around these things for a long time, I understand that uh, if you don't feel comfortable with an AR-15, like AR-15s are kind of complicated, right? That's why I was even talking about, we talked about pushing the um, the purchase age to 25 with the possibility for an exemption with training and, and kind of some checks there um, from 18 on, or 21 on, excuse me. Um, ARs are a little bit complicated, right? Like a pump action shotgun, not that complicated, right? Lever action, 30-30, not that complicated. Um, Single shots, breakovers, double uh, double barrels, over under, side by sides, all that stuff. Not very complicated. Really easy to be safe, um, considerate. Uh, a pump action, like youth pump action, twenty gauge. You can get from all kinds of different, like whether it's Remington or um, uh, Benelli has some. Depending on where you want to go, a youth twenty gauge uh, is a little bit smaller than a, a standard size twenty gauge. Is a great home defense weapon, right? Not complicated, easy to be safe, easy to check if it's loaded. Uh, so many things, right? doesn't really get out of hand, um, effective in a home intruder type situation for home protection. Great, great firearm for that. Now you're looking at Tim pool saying it should be illegal not to have an AR 15, uh, from somebody who's really gun new, he's new to guns, right? And he's kind of like fanboying out on this. And of course he's trying to get, he's, he's doing this for clout and clicks, but it's dumb. It's really dumb. And I don't think if you don't feel comfortable, like getting trained, understanding how your firearms work. If you're looking for something for home protection, you just want to like have something just in case something goes wrong. I highly recommend a youth 20 gauge or a 12 gauge shotgun. Usually a 20, they'd have a little bit less kick and they get the, they'll get the job done. If someone was to break into your home, you can shoot them from many different ways. You can practice lots of different ways. Uh, you don't have to wear ear protection. That's one thing that people don't understand. Like if you were to ever shoot an AR inside, like inside of a, a room, you would not be able to hear shit. Like if they're loud, those muscle brakes on there are fucking loud. And the reason is when the, when the projectile out of a rifle breaks the sound barrier, that's that loud crack that really fucks with your, your hearing. So when you put a, even if you put a suppressor on a rifle um, or a handgun for that matter, and you're not shooting subsonic ammunition, which doesn't cycle as well, but it does have that like kind of, I would call it like a James Bond, like do, do, do. Like that's how you get that sound. But if your bull, if your projectile out of that, out of that handgun or rifle is breaking the sound barrier, it's still going to be loud. 
It's still gonna be very. It's still gonna sound like a gunshot. It just isn't so high in decibels that it will damage your hearing. Uh, but you still have that loud kind of crack sound. But if you shoot an AR off inside indoors, like you're gonna be. I mean, your eardrums are toast. And that doesn't happen as much with um, shotguns. Now, of course, they're still loud. But since you're shooting multiple projectiles that don't have the same aerodynamics, they don't, and they're just not projected at the same speed. They don't break the sound barrier, right? You have 50 BBs in there. They're not breaking the sound barrier. Or if you're shooting buckshot, you may have like eight or nine in there. They're not breaking the sound barrier. They're hauling ass, but they're not. They're not going to have that same crack. So that's a big part of it too, because you don't. Last thing you want in a home intruder situation where you actually have to fire a firearm, you want to be able to kind of hear at least a little bit, right? Like where they're at, what they're doing. If somebody's yelling at you, like you want to be able to hear, and that's not really something you can do if you're not if you're shooting something that uh that either isn't suppressed or or is a, a rifle or modern handgun. Like it just get it gets really challenging. Um, I even shot my uh my my nine millimeter the other day out without hearing protection just to see how loud it would be. I don't do that very often, but just one shot and my ears were ringing for like 45 minutes. Like it's not pleasant at all. So you have this and he's like, Oh yeah, I, I, I became competent in, in handguns kind of, or, or excuse me, uh, guns in general, like two years ago. And now I'm going to be saying you should, everybody should own an AR 15 It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Tim dumbest shit I've ever heard. Right. If you want something for home protection, Get yourself something that you that, that's simple, and if you're not well trained, that you can become competent in pretty pretty easily and be safe with, and that you feel comfortable with. If you don't feel comfortable with what you're using for home protection, it's not going to do that much good. It's probably going to do more harm than good. And something like an AR-15 is kind of intimidating because they're kind of complicated. So this is a really really dumb take. Now we're going to move on to a different take from a different side, right? So this is like Tim's pro gun take. Uh, we're going to go to now again. This is going to get a little personal, and I'm going to share why down the road. But just the kind of take from like celebrities, right? Attention-seeking celebrities. Uh, and when I say celebrities, I mean that term loosely. I'm talking about like the D-list celebrities out there that are really relatively unknown. Now, this is a guy here. Um, his name is Makad. Says, Lincoln abolished slavery by executive order. FDR confiscated gold and created the New Deal by executive order. And of course, Trump banned Muslims by executive order. Why won't Biden ban assault rifles by or assault weapons by executive order. I keep hearing something must be done. Do it. Um, well, <laughs> the constitution, dude, the constitution. Now the goal of a post like this, the goal of a post like this isn't to solve any problems, isn't to move the conversation forward. The goal of a post like this is to get validation from other people that agree with you, Right. People that are wealthy, detached from all of these things, right? If they need it, they have some armed security or whatever. Uh, there's been a lot of time on movie sets. Like these people, these D-list celebrities especially, <laughs> what a fucking stupid thing to say. Uh, I don't know if you understand this, but like an executive order can't circumvent the Constitution, right? You can't ban free speech by executive order, dude. Now, I understand that you don't really care about the practicality of what you're saying because the point isn't to make a change or have a conversation. The point is for people to pay attention to you, which is what you love. That's your thing, right? Which is great. That's why you're in front of cameras and pretending to be somebody you're not. You know, you're in the Mortal Kombat movie. Good you, go you, right? Now, we go back here, and I want to read this other piece because I thought this was just astounding. So let's check this out here. It says, Dear Men, our current version of masculinity is outdated, emotionally disconnected. And in some instances, it can be dangerous. So we're blaming masculinity for this now. Um, we have been taught to bottle up our emotions, not to ask for support, and in the worst cases, self-medicate. Com- 
compete with an edge of savagery and use sexual conquest as a tool of gratification and self-worth. Many men are stuck in a zero-sum, me-versus-them, scarcity mentality loop, believing somehow we got here without co- cooperating and offering compassion and understanding to our brothers. I be- <laughs> I believe one of the reasons we are all in this mess that we are in is because our world has leaned too far into the masculine energy, divine or not. Now, while there's some points there about masculinity becoming can be kind of a, you know, uncontained can be kind of a, kind of a shit show. This is in response to mass shootings, right? Children are dead. We have lost our connection to nurturing ourselves and one another, providing a safe space for holding trauma to be heard and released and holding space and having patience for those whose journey may not reflect our own. Interesting. (laughs) I find these modalities that unlock the divine feminine attributes, breath work, meditation, visualization, EFT, and other forms of distinguishing your authentic self from the ego and the lie of me versus them. Here's me and my brother, blah, 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 helps him unlock childhood trauma. Our world is a tough place. Some of us choose to ignore it. Some of us choose to cope with focusing on the positive, and some of us wallow in the despair of it all. And yet I don't think any extreme is the right way to find solutions and affect change within ourselves. So Biden sending an executive order banning ARs is an extreme. That's not an extreme position. It's introducing new ways to find peace, connection, and, and the guru inside of you so that you can drop the us versus them approach, rediscover your admin, and find new solutions to generational problems. We are, um, we are one, and we must first find the openness and balance to ourselves. Assay. Assay? Whatever the fuck that means. Okay, so here we have this, you know, put up on the heels of a, of a shooting. Um, for what, right now, this might, this might decrease gun violence at burning man, right? This might increase the, like, who the fuck are you talking to? Why don't you print this out, go to inner city Chicago and read this to some people. Why don't you go tell the people that are, you know, go to a prison. How about this? Go to a prison, talk to people that are in there for shooting people, gang violence, go tell them. That the answer to their problems is the divine feminine, meditation, and fucking hugs, bro. Are you serious? Are you serious? And on top of this, and I said this is going to get personal, right? On top of this, this is the same motherfucker <laughs> at a party in Austin, Texas, who pulled my girlfriend aside. Now, she play, had a role to play this or two. My girlfriend at the time. And said uh, something, and I'm paraphrasing here, so it may not be exactly right, but I heard this from another account, and we had a conversation about it. He said something like, um, when you get rid of that faggot, I'll have you for real. I believe that's what it was. Something like that. There was a, some conversation about me being gay and some conversations about how he was going to fuck my girlfriend. Now, in the community that I was in, you know, it was encouraged to let D-list celebrities fuck your girlfriend. I wasn't really into that, but hey, you know, to each their own. But this person talking about playing zero-sum games while he's accusing me of being gay and using the word faggot to do it. <laughs> right? That guy is criticizing men for playing zero sum games, you attention seeking fuck. Are you serious? Now, I would leave this shit alone. I leave this shit alone most of the time, right? I'm not in that world anymore, okay? I'm not holier than thou. I don't pretend to be. 
But when you step into my lane, talking about politics and firearms, with no fucking idea what you're talking about, and you're just virtue signaling to your Burning Man friends, so they'll like your post with their fucking blue check marks, and leave a comment saying, uh ho brother, or whatever the fuck you want them to say, you're not doing anything but leveraging the death of children for your own fucking narcissism. And I'm so fucking sick of people that are attention-hungry assholes using tragedies to, to, to bolster their own self-image. It's fucking disgusting. It's as disgusting as the people that you hate on the right that do the exact same, the exact same thing in the opposite way. Attention-seeking off of tragedies is fucked. Incredibly fucked, especially when you're a hypocritical asshole. So that's where we're at with this. I mean, there's more and more of these takes. We can go on and on all fucking day about garbage takes from people who just want attention. Overlook it. Get past it. We've got so much more to do here. And we actually need to have conversations that are pragmatic, that reach people that aren't fucking pseudo-spiritual, like whatever the fucks, right? I've drank an ayahuasca too, bro. I get it. I've seen some cool shit. I've had psychedelic ceremonies that more than I can count. But it never put me in a place where I need to tell the world that the solution to mass shootings is divine femininity. Because it's not. You're not talking to anybody but your friend group, and you're just looking for validation. That's all it is. Don't pretend like it's anything else. It's fucking disgusting. Absolutely fucking disgusting. I can't. I just can't. I can't stand it. It drives me fucking crazy. And that being said, let's move on. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs. Guys, I got a new offer for you. Element is doing it for you. I went, I went faster, but you know what I'm talking about because you've been here before and we've done this before, but I've got something new for you. You all know Element's great. Let's just read. They actually sent me some ad copy over here, so I'm going to read through some of this. Um, Element is a tasty electrolyte mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a lot of salt with no sugar, baby. Let's go. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks uh, following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet element contains a science backed electrolyte ratio 1000 milligrams of sodium 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium with none of the junk no sugar no coloring no artificial ingredients no gluten no fillers and no bullshit oh let's see lead with lifestyle needs of the customer that's you guys you guys are the customer it says electrolyte deficiencies or imbalances can cause symptoms like headaches cramps fatigues and weakness some people in a low-carb paleo lifestyle will get these symptoms also called the keto flu in low-carb and fasting communities. The body excretes electrolytes at an increased rate due, rate due to the low-carb ketogenic or fasted state. Oh, man. So it'll make you feel better. It'll make you feel better. You know what else is good for? Brain health and breastfeeding. Guys, new moms out there that are feeding babies with their titties, you need this stuff. It's gonna be good for you. All these ladies, and that's the thing too. We got we're you know we're pregnant. I don't I bring that up on the show yet. Yeah, so I got a kid on the way, a um, little polit- politically homeless child that'll probably become some kind of weird conservative down the road. But anyways, neither here nor there. Um, great for breastfeeding. Next level. If you are breastfeeding, you haven't tried. Um, if you haven't tried Element, now I've never fed a child from my teats. Um, I think it's a very beautiful thing. I wish I could do it, but I can't. Uh, I've seen some people on Instagram. But that was weird. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I don't know what it is about it. I guess just just getting those electrolytes because you're doing your body's doing so much, making all that milky milky goodness that you just you need them. You need the electrolytes, and it also helps you curve cravings, guys, which is a big thing for me. And I still struggle with this, but 
sometimes I go up and I'm like, man, I want to eat a little snack tonight. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have an element instead. And that helps me out. I'm actually going to make an element my second one of the day because I'm about to go into the gym. And I love it when I'm in the gym. I don't know why. I don't know how. I mean, I know I need electrolytes, right? But I've already had one. I drink one in the morning. But, man, when I'm in the gym, especially when it's a little bit hot and I'm sweating, I can just feel it soaking into my body. Just soaking in. Like my body's a sponge just taking it all in, and I fucking love it. But here's the new offer, right? Because it was before you could get a sample pack, cover shipping. Now what they're doing is sending you a sample pack of every single flavor, every flavor. So you can try them all out with your purchase, all right? So you go to drinkelement.com slash wanders, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders. Do that. Make that happen, Okay. Make yourself an order now. If you want, if you're looking for a safe bet, maybe you have. If you've done this before, you can use this as a returning customer. If you've already done, got the sample pack, bought some element, you can still do this as a returning customer because they want you to try these new flavors because they're new flavors they come out with all the time are just fucking bomb, absolutely bomb. Grapefruit, bomb. Watermelon, bomb. Now, if you want to get one that you feel safe with, like what's one I'm definitely gonna like, and then I'll get the sample pack and then I'll make my decisions from there. I recommend the grapefruit and the watermelon. Um, people like citrus a lot. Citrus is a nice go-to, but that watermelon, I mean, I've got a, I've got a, oh, raspberry, by the way, raspberry is fantastic. I got a box of raspberry in my office here. Raspberry, grapefruit, watermelon. You can't go wrong. Get that variety pack or that sample pack of all the samples. Try those out as well and see what you like the best, but you cannot go wrong with raspberry, grapefruit, or watermelon in my opinion. Get a big box. Make it happen, guys. DrinkElement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash Wanders. The link is in my show notes. Enjoy yourself. Stay hydrated. Stay moist. Let's go. So everybody thinks Trump's going to run again. Uh, we've got some interesting polling on a uh, small poll, but a poll on that that we'll be bringing up later down the road. But it's kind of a foregone conclusion that the dude's going to Go for it again. People, there's a lot of questions whether or not Biden will run again. Um, unlikely, I would think. I hope he doesn't. But if that were the case, if we did have a Biden versus Trump uh, rematch, one, Trump would likely win. But let's check this out. This is some good, heartening news here. Because on the other, other day on the show, remember I said, I'm wondering, I'm really curious if the politically homeless are actually the silent majority today. And wouldn't you know it? Nearly 60% of U.S. voters would back independent candidate over Biden or Trump. Poll finds. A moderate independent or third-party presidential candidate could garner support from nearly 6 in 10 Americans if voters are faced with a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in the 2024 presidential election. According to a newly released survey, 1,966 registered voters conducted by Harvard University Center for American Political Studies and Harris Poll, 58% of respondents, including 47% of Republicans and 60% of Democrats, 60% of Democrats, and of course, 71% of uh, registered independents said they would consider a moderate independent candidate in the 2024 election if faced with a repeat of the choices they were presented in November of 2020. The poll, which was conducted on the 21st and 22nd of April also found that clear majorities of respondents say neither Mr. Biden nor Mr. Trump should mount bids for the second term in the white house. Thank God. Somebody's posted something that makes some damn sense here. I don't want a clown and I don't want a corpse, baby. Those two, those are those those the two options in 2020. Let's not do that again. Someone needs to have a pulse and not be a complete and utter dipshit. 
Maybe nobody that was... I would like to have somebody that's not on reality TV unless it was Shark Tank because I really like Mark Cuban. But <laughs> let's just not. Let's not. Let's have real candidates. And I'm curious if the Democrats are going to run because they're going to have to just throw somebody away, I think. But man, uh, 63% of voters, 86% of Republicans, and 34% of Democrats said Mr. Biden should eschew a re-election campaign, while 55% of respondents, including 32% of Republicans and 71% of Democrats and 62% of independents, said Mr. Trump should not be a candidate for president in 2024. This is great news I had to share with you guys. It looks like, as of now, you have the two um, leaders of the parties that are incredibly unpopular. And nearly 60% of U.S. voters would back an independent candidate over Biden or Trump. I can't think of another time in U.S. history that I know of where that would be the case, especially recent modern history where the DNC and the REC have a, RNC have a duopoly over our, our, over our political uh, candidates and circumvent democracy in that way. So good stuff. Short segment here, but I wanted to bring this up because I just think this is absolutely fucking beautiful. So there's been this kind of um, this trend. We're going to talk about it more in the show today as well. But this trend within conservative conservatism, whatever you want to call it, of just like get to protect the kids. It's kind of happened, and in, in, in COVID was a big part of this with the kids. You got to get the kids back to school with socialization, which I agree with a lot of that stuff. But there's just been this like we got to protect the kids, do it for the kids, protectthechildren.com, whatever it is, right? You have all this stuff, and the kids, the kids, the kids, and gender ideology, and, and there's a drag queen in a kindergarten class. You got to protect the kids. All this shit, right? And it's all they talk about all the time, right? All they talk about. Well, let's check this out real quick. Um, Southern Baptist members detail alleged grooming, sexual and sexual misconduct among clergy in new report. In the summer of 2010, a pastor and his wife from First Baptist Church Woodstock said they received an invite to a vacation in Florida with Johnny Hunt, a senior pastor of their church who they considered a mentor. Um, moral of this story is right here is that this guy, uh, raped that dude's wife with his mouth. He mouth raped her. Um, and then said nothing happened, lied about it a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, it's this guy right here. Wouldn't you love this guy just mouth raping your wife? I haven't heard anything about it, right? I haven't heard anything about it. I had to go find it on, on NBC news. And if we go a little further here, we don't need to recount that whole entire situation, but there's a ton of people who have similar allegations. And then we also realize that, oh, Southern Baptist leaders released one secret list of accused abusers. Now these are abusers of children, adults. Um, one guy was, uh, I think it was, a uh, somebody in the church who also taught like youth, um, youth, uh, music and was diddling little boys, uh, like little boys. So yeah. And the funny thing is you look at this and I wanted to bring this up because this one this is terrible. This happens all the time. I mean, there's more kids abused in the church. I would say if we were, to, if we were just going sheer numbers in the past, I don't know, we'll give, we'll give them a little bit of uh, grace here. Last five years of how many kids were harmfully in into into gender ideology or LBGTQ, whatever, that whole thing that everybody's pissed off about, right? How many kids were were impacted by that negatively? And how many kids were raped in the fucking church? Which one do you think would have a higher number? Which one do you think would be more staggering? Which one do you think has worse long-term effects on a human being? Right? Normalizing drag queens and trans people? or getting raped by a church leader. Which one do you think is worse? And the funny thing is, all these people that have been hollering and yelling about saving the children, the children, it's about the children. 
let's just see here. Let's see. Um, Southern Baptist, right? Charlie Kirk, Southern Baptist. Oh, let's see if anything comes up here. Oh, okay. Nothing? No criticism? But what about the kids, Charlie? What about the children? We got nothing here. Man, nothing, not anything. We can go down. I mean, we can even, let's just, let's see if we can filter it to the last week or so. Let's just go to the last month, this month. No? Nothing? Okay. Uh, Ben Shapiro, Southern Baptist, anything? Um, No, talk about transgenderism, Uh, something about racism here, Joe Rogan experience. No, no. Not seeing anything. I thought it was about the children. I thought it was about the children. But we look at this 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 article here. It says this list includes hundreds of entities from alleged cases spanning mainly from 2000 to 2019. Top Southern Baptist leaders have released a one secret list naming hundreds of pastors and church workers who have been accused of sexual abuse. This list includes hundreds of entities from alleged cases spanning from mainly 2000 to 2019. The decision to release the 205 page list. Thursday evening came after independent firm Guidepost Solutions on Sunday unveiled an explosive report on its finding into a probe into alleged past sexual abusers within the church. The probe found that Southern Baptist Convention's executive committee had mishandled abuse claims and stonewall survivors. And by the way, they gaslit their survivors by saying, if you go public with this, you're going to harm 40,000 churches. You're going to harm 40,000 churches. Because then we can't pretend that it's about the kids. The investigation was requested by the executive committee after it faced growing pressure by, uh, for an external probe into abuse allegations. In a statement published on the Southern Baptist Church's website, officials said the list was being released for the first time as an initial but important step towards addressing the scourge of sexual abuse. Each entry into the list uh, reminds us of the devastation and destruction brought by a sexual abuse. The statement says, our prayers... Our prayer is that survivors of these heinous acts find hope and healing and that church will utilize this list proactively to protect and care for the most vulnerable among us. The children. The children. It's funny how conservatives uh, call trans teachers abusers and groomers and all that stuff when in reality, there's more of those in the church than there are in the school system. We all know that. Oh, but what did somebody say? A lot of conservatives are saying this after the school shooting in Uvalde that we need God in schools. So we should invite these pedophiles to schools to really impart their wisdom and their morality into these children. That's what they're going to do. That's what they want to do. That's, that's, that, that makes sense, right? Like th- these people are clearly on a moral high ground. They have a 205-page document of all the churches, accused sexual abusers. I mean, shit, I was I, in my college youth group when I was still going to church. That was actually the youth group that I walked away from and said, I'm not a Christian anymore, right? The youth leader was very charismatic. Little guy held up as the way you should do relationships. He waited until he was married. His wife was very sweet. She was very quiet, very docile, very sweet. I tried to find some uh, article on this because I was going to bring it up, but I couldn't find anything because I forgot the guy's name and I forgot the name of the church. But I don't think the church is there anymore, probably because of all this. But um, yeah, I come to find out, a couple of years later, the dude that was held up as the, the example, the pastor's son who led the college life group and did all these things and made so many things happen was actually sexually assaulting college girls. 
Ouch. This happens all the time, guys. All the times. And all the people that are out there protecting the children won't say a goddamn thing about it. But we heal, We will hear, right? Because we actually care about kids. Like, I want kids to have the most opportunities, the most access to things, the most access to inf- education, information, varieties of lifestyles, open-mindedness, critical thinking. These things are, they can add so much value to your life. But maybe it wasn't about the kids. And we'll talk about that later. Maybe it wasn't about the kids. It was just about your ideology and using kids as a political football to push it. Interesting. So Ron DeSantis has made quite a name for himself in the past couple of years here. Um, we got this right here. DeSantis beats Trump in another 2024 straw poll. Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida once again bested former President Donald Trump in a straw poll for the 2024 presidential elections. Attendees to the Western Conservative Summit organized by the Centennial Institute, a think tank associated with Colorado Christian University, were asked on Saturday to vote on the on 31 2024 presidential contenders, including both Republican and Democratic candidates. Not surprisingly, GOP names dominated the results. Now, when you think about the Western Conservative Summit, right? Like, these are real conservatives. This is like people that are, and I feel like they speak for the conservative base pretty well. Um, now, if we were to do this, I don't. Uh, this maybe was in Georgia or something like that. That may be a little bit different. There's some different places in the world where I think this would have gone different ways, and it was pretty close. But it does say a lot, and it's worth noting here. It says DeSantis came out with 74 percent of the of the votes. Trump got 71 percent. Senator Ted Cruz came in at 43. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo at 39. That's awful. Senator Tim Scott at 36 percent, um, according to a press release from the Centennial Institute. Uh, Mike Pence came in 10th place. The straw poll employed an approved method, which allowed participants participants to vote on multiple responses to each question. The press release this said, and the method ensures poll results more accurately affect attendees' options. So it kind of sounds like they went with a uh, more of a ranked choice situation, which is maybe we should uh, implement that at the uh, national level. That'd be fantastic. But you know, one of the things I've said numerous times that I really fund, like I really believe would be good for the country and good for the Republican party, which sometimes those things are mutually exclusive. But in this case, I think generally speaking, it's, it's better. And Kim Iverson was saying this on rising the other day. She's like, and I'm the same thing. I kind of considered myself a progressive not long ago, but then progressivism kind of like went somewhere else. And I was kind of left there standing with like five other people. Like what the fuck are we doing now? Um, and I would vote for DeSantis probably. I don't like DeSantis necessarily. Um, but I'd probably vote for him unless it was somebody, like I said, like Mark Cuban who takes over the Democratic Party like Trump did. Well, then you got a conversation to be had. But I, I can't think of one single person outside of Bernie Sanders 10 years ago that um, I could vote for over somebody like DeSantis given that, well, Republicans are fucking assholes and kind of uh, arrogant and, and they do some really stupid shit. It seems like the Democrats are kind of intent on ruining people's lives. So it's kind of – it's like – you get it's like bad or less bad, you know. There's not really an option there for anybody to 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 make. It's it fucking terrible. Like it's just it's 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 bottom of the barrel politics. It's gross. But at the end of the day, like his COVID response was okay. He's done some decent environmental stuff apparently in Florida. I need to look more into that. Um, he doesn't have the same kind of like when he does go at somebody. It's not like Trump. It's a little bit more grounded and a little bit more. Um, uh, honest, I would say. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is really, really interesting to see. And we're two years away. It's going to come fast. It's going to come really fast. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is, this is pretty encouraging information. And I think that, you know, I've said it again. I, I keep getting sidetracked here, but I say on the show, the best thing to happen for the Republican party is for Trump to join the primary and get beat. 
You know, now I personally uh, think Rand Paul is probably the only person who's going to roll back um, the extent that our government has gone to to increase its power. I think that's really important. Even as somebody who resides on the left, I align with libertarians and that this stuff needs to get ro- we need to roll back the amount of military spending, uh, the amount of power that we have that the government has over individuals, um, surveillance pieces of, of all of that. These are, we're spending trillions of dollars in this stuff. And like, that's our money. You know, which is fueling inflation, and then we have a, a, a just continual transfers of wealth upward, which also fuel inflation. So it's like this is this, we're all over the fucking place here. And the only person I can see that would handle that well as of now is Rand Paul. Does he have the personality to do it? It'll take a lot. It'll take a lot. But given what we saw in that last uh, that last poll about people wanting to vote independent, maybe it's time for someone like that to go independent and for people like us to make sure and rally to get them on debate stages and change the fucking game change the game because the thing about it is that you get DeSantis, trump Rand paul is smarter than either one of those motherfuckers right and he the way he handled fauci that was he gained a lot of respect from people all over the political spectrum and i can speak to that because i know a lot of people all over the political spectrum that all were like fuck yeah finally somebody said that you know even he being him being the one dissenting vote when it comes to what happened uh with the with the the military aid and the aid the 40 billion dollars for ukraine i mean he said it we can't save ukraine by dooming the american economy and we can't we absolutely can't now i think that's going to go down in the record books very similar to bernie sanders being the the lone uh, dissenting vote when it came to the war in iraq you know so the time will tell time will tell depending on how that goes i mean if we go into the situation where we where ukraine still loses, which is probably likely and has to forfeit the Donbass and, and permanently forfeit Crimea and give up their hopes there. Well, then Rand Paul will look very, very right. And that could do a lot. Um, now anything, any, you know, corporate media outlets are never going to let that happen as far as the, the, the perception within their, within their sphere of influence, but that's becoming less and less important because of people like you guys that are willing to listen to stuff like this and people like me who, uh, you know, I'm not Mika Brzezinski, you know, or, or Tucker Carlson, like speaks and things out and go, and I'm not Sean Hannity either or Laura Ingram or any of these other fucking people, right? Don Lemon. I'm not like that. And a lot of people aren't like that. Crystal and Sager are doing a great job over there. Like there's more and more attention there. And I think between all of us, we can have really fun discourse, have some really good conversations and actually use the clusterfuck that we're in right now to create some opportunities for us going uh, forward. So good stuff here. Again, this is between the 60% of people being willing to vote independent of Trump and Biden run again, which makes me want them to run again because that would be awesome. Um, and DeSantis here edging out Trump in this straw poll. Again, doesn't mean much, not a huge sample size, but it is diehard conservatives. And, uh, you know, it looks like we may be getting to a place where we may finally start to find some stability and, and sort some things out. Um, now, that being said, a lot of this will have to have to do with how the Democrats are willing to uh, embrace defeat because it's it's more than more than certain that it's coming uh, unless some something really weird happens between now and then. And they don't seem to handle it well. I remember some election fraud claims from Hillary Clinton. Um, yeah, kind of normalized that situation. How did that work out for everybody? Not great. Not great. So let's get to, uh, you know, that part of the show where, um, you know, like I give you like uh, something to think about and stuff, you know, you know, let's do it.
All right. Let's talk about drag queens. Oh, this video has been circulating, and I got into a, I got into an argument with my friend. Actually, a friend of mine who I'll be seeing in here in a, a few days at the Heterodox Conference here in Colorado. Uh, I'll be there. If you're going to be there, let me know. Maybe we can meet up, hang out, take a picture. Who knows? Put it on the gram. But anyways, um, we've seen this video circulating quite a bit here, and uh, I'm just going to sh- we're going to play this and just see what we have to say about it. Um, it says deranged. This is from Dan Crenshaw. His sharing of the video. So let's let's check this out real quick. All right, so we got some some teenagers or some like adolescent children, and we got some drag queens. And these kids probably look like they're like seven, eight, nine. Now they're giving the drag queens money. She did the splits there. That's good. Um, they're in a club. The sign says it, it won't lick itself or something like that. It's not gonna lick itself. That's what it is. So yeah, you got these kids, you know, throwing, throwing singles to these drag queens, which is weird, admittedly. Like, I don't know if I would do this with my kids, but, you know, anyways, we can pause that. I think we're done there. But yeah, so you got these kids with their parents at some kind of, uh, I think it's called Drag Your Kids to Pride. Drag the Kids to Pride, and it's, uh, it's an event at some place somewhere. Uh, Andy No says this drag event for children at a gay bar in Dallas, Texas was called drag the kids to pride. It was held at the minister, Mr. Gay bar and club children and transvestites danced in front of an electric sign that read, it's not going to lick itself. I mean, the sign, uh, is a little much, but it also is in a gay bar. Now being a heterosexual man, uh, <laughs> unless you believe that other guy, um, <laughs> a heterosexual man, I actually really enjoy gay bars. Like gay bars are super, super fun. I also get a lot of drinks for very cheap. So it feels like being, being a, uh, you know, a hot single lady at a club. I get, I, I think I, I had like seven whiskeys one time when I was there. I spent like $4. <laughs> it was awesome. But, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, you look at this here and it's like, all right, let's just read Dan. I'm trying to like wrap my mind around this and kind of get my thoughts in order here. But it says, Dan says, this is really deranged. It's also proof that when you're too open-minded, your brain falls out. Uh, okay. Clearly these parents lost their minds a long time ago. Let me ask you, when parents want to introduce their kids to straight sex, they don't take them to a strip club or a burlesque show, do they? Is this hypersexual drag show supposed to represent the gay community? Is this really supposed to build tolerance? I can't imagine most gay couples I know would ever condone kids going to these shows, just as most straight couples wouldn't bring their kids to a burlesque show. This is not only deranged, but also gives millions of decent gay couples a bad name. Now, the idea that Dan Crenshaw believes in decent gay couples is debatable, but this whole thing here... You know, one this this is kind of getting inflated, conflated with like what's going on in schools, right? Um, this didn't happen in school. This is kids, teachers taking their kids to go do this thing. None of your fucking business is what it is, actually, right? Because I think you, people are saying, "Well, this is child abuse." This isn't child abuse, okay? Now, is it normalizing something you might not be comfortable with as a conservative or uh, a Christian or whatever? Yeah, but that's none. Of their, that's still it's none of your fucking business. It's none of their fucking business. That's it, right? Like, I honestly would would like to, uh, you know, I think it's normalizing drag queens for kids is fine, right? And on the scale of problems here, it doesn't move the needle for me. Like, what percentage of children do you think are exposed to drag queens in this country? One, 
maybe I'm being very generous when I say, is it 1% of kids that are under 15 <laughs> that know what a drag queen is, right? Maybe on the high end, if we're being generous with a 15 year old cutoff, 3%. I don't think I even knew what a drag queen was when I was that age. Right? So <laughs> we look at this and, the, and there's this pearl clutching by conservatives to say like, Oh, this is deranged. These parents, which is so weird, right? Because on one hand, one day the, the the teachers are like, or the, the the conservatives are like, teachers are uh, they're groomers and they're this. And they're calling them all kinds of fucking names. And the next day they're like, teachers should have guns. Like what? What? And it's like parents should have influence in what their children are taught. And then the parents are like, yeah, well, I think drag shows are fun. And they're like, parents are deranged. You're not making any fucking sense, guys. You're not making any sense at all. Pick a lane, right? Because you act like all parents have the best interests of their children at heart until they conflict with your values and your belief, make believe moral high ground. You know, and do I think this is like the greatest thing ever? I don't, I just don't, like when I see drag queens, right? And I went to a, uh, it was like a dance off at the gay club in Austin. I forget what it's called. Fuck. It's a great, it's a great bar if you're ever down there. A light up dance floor. They may have changed it by now, but they had a dance off and it was the MC was a drag queen. And when you look at drag, I saw some drag queens uh, down uh, in Denver not too long ago. I was going, they were like walked past me going to a restaurant and like for whatever reason, when I see a drag queen, it makes me happy. I'm like, that looks like it legitimately looks like fun. Not something I would want to do, but I'm like, man, that looks like fun. Like base jumping looks like fun. <laughs> you know, it's like not my thing, but I'm like, damn, that looks like fucking fun and dressing up and makeup and big hair and looking like Dolly Parton in the, in the eighties and seventies. Like that looks like fucking fun. Right. And maybe I'm just a little bit different, maybe a little bit weird. I don't know. Maybe that's me. Right. But we have this idea that this is like about the kids and I just don't think it's about the kids because a kid at that age isn't going to understand. It's not going to look itself. Right. Like uh, that's probably going to go over their head. Like what? Like a, like a lollipop. I don't fucking know. But a drag queen to a child, in my opinion, probably just looks kind of like a clown. Right? Think about what a clown wears. I mean, it's a little bit more skimpy than a clown with the with the whatever, but okay. That's 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 more coverage than a modern swimsuit has, so whatever, right? It's like big big hair, crazy makeup, entertaining, like loud, the whole thing. Like, it's like if you if you give a drag queen balloon animals, it's a fucking clown. It's a different kind of clown. But to a kid, what the fuck do they know? You know what I'm saying? And it's probably fun. Like if I was at a place and there was a drag queen like putting on a show and I had a five-year-old kid there, I would be like, that's funny. That's, that's fun. It's people having fun. You know what it is at the end of the day? It's freedom. It's freedom. Now, these people won't be upset about the Daniel Defense advertising that had a two-year-old holding an AR, right? It's like the Daniel Defense, the same weapons and used in all kinds of shootings, right? Which Daniel Defense makes really great firearms that also just be happened to use in a lot of shootings. Um, but you give you hand a kid an AR and it's like yeah get him that t- teach that boy how to do it, and it's like you know, and this happened it's like god damn it they're teaching these kids dirty fucking queer stuff and it's like dude shut up, no one fucking cares man, no one cares, you know what I get it like my buddy Amir talks about like how this is the reason that a lot of people that are gay don't really want to associate with the LBGT community and I've I have lots of friends that are gay that say they're like yeah it's a little bit overboard right like Raytheon putting a rainbow flag in their profile is kind of fucking stupid and that one post that was like the the military helmet from Full Metal Jacket which was an indictment of the military industrial complex by the way with uh rainbow colored bullets and it was like a little weird like what are you trying to do here but my point here is looking at this and this outrage, right? Because that's the thing I look at is like, okay, this seems like a disproportionate outrage for something that's one none of your business. Now, if we're in schools, different conversation. 
right? And schools is a different conversation. We got to be really mindful about that. I would also appreciate if we would uh, maybe do an audit on schools teaching people pro-American propaganda and history class instead of what actually happened. That seems like it might be beneficial too. We should just look at that as well while we're while we're on the whole thing of like really criticizing schools. Let's kind of uh, maybe you know sidestep propaganda and give people like an actual an actual understanding of what um, you know um, global superpowers do. In their in their origins, not not just the United States, but all of them, right? What happens when you have too much power and a uh, a population of people that is uh, you know like less than desirable for your end goal, right? Native Americans, Holocaust, you know, we could we could learn that, like, well, hey, you know, when there's a lot of power distribution that's you know imbalance, like fucked up things happen. So, you know, we could do that as well. But anyways, as we think about this, I think okay, what is the biggest problem plaguing children right now? Right, social isolation was a big part of it, but that that's a newer thing based on COVID. But if we look at it, childhood obesity actually ruins lives. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's fucking staggering, and I'm saying that as a child that was obese. Okay, you may not think about that about me now, but at a time in my life, I was bullied for being fat. I was super unhappy, and I had someone have the audacity to be like, "Well, obesity is a choice." I'm like, by the time I realized that obesity was a choice, I was already fucking obese, man. I didn't know it was a problem to eat a box of Lucky Charms in a day. I don't know. I was stupid. I was a kid. I live with my grandparents. My grandparents let me do whatever I wanted because that's what grandparents do because my parents were God knows where. You know, and I, I'm grateful for that upbringing because it really, it turned out great. But at the same time, I didn't know any better. Neither did they. And there was not, not, a lot of education. I didn't have honest information. At that time, the food pyramid was the thing. and th- People thought calories in, calories out, and fat is bad for you. So I got dealt a bad hand. And the people, there's a small group of people who make sure that, that misinformation is distributed widely by authoritative sources, and it's a sugar cartel. And they have a, they have, they're one of the most powerful lobbies in Washington. They even took Michelle Obama's Get Out and Move plan and just fucked it to death. Right? That was actually a good plan until Coca-Cola got its hands on it. And these sugar manufacturers, which a lot of them are in Florida, by the way, um, are toxic as fuck, man. And they're harming, they're literally ruining lives of our children. Now, I've known about this and I've cared about this for a long time. That's why I'm so kind of passionate about it. Because I was a fat kid. I got bullied. I saw how it impacted my life. I saw how much better my life was, how much different people treated me whenever I was uh, not fat. Even when I got like skinny and then I got like fit and it was a different thing. And I'm proud of myself for that. I really am. But when we look at the whole thing, it's like if there was this much outrage on the idea that Coca-Cola can create contacts with school districts and fill their vending machines with things that have no less than 50 grams of sugar, right? Besides Dasani water. It's like, do you want Dasani water or do you want Fanta or do you want Coca-Cola or do you want Powerade? Or do you want something else that has a weird that, that that's a weird color for some reason, like lime green or blue or brown, even though it's not supposed to be because that's all fake coloring, and uh, 50 grams of sugar as an eight-year-old. Now, conservatives like, well, you know, you got to take personal responsibility, and, uh, you know, that's just the cost of freedom. And I'm like, I don't really think an eight-year-old should have the freedom to be 300 fucking pounds. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's freedom to give a kid type 2 diabetes before they can even pronounce diabetes. You know what I'm saying? So I really wish, and here's the thing, is it actually about the kids? Because if it's actually about the kids, you should look at kids today and what's really plaguing them 
and focus there first. Yes, do I like gender ideology being taught in schools and put into kindergarten classrooms and all this other shit? No, I don't. I don't really don't like it. I don't. And I think it's a problem. And I think we need to be really honest about that in the same way that I think propaganda being distributed in our, in our history classes and government classes is also a problem, right? There's all kinds of problems with the education system. That being said, if it's really about the kids, let's make it about the kids and look at what's actually disproportionately affecting their lives long-term, what's turning them into less productive and less happy adults, and focus there. Now, I know, and it seems like this is such a big deal because it's very popular. It's a trend. It's a trend. But I also have this kind of maybe counterintuitive take that outlets like the Daily Wire and people that hyper-focus on this actually make the problem worse. And here's why. Capitalism is a game of incentives. It's a game of incentives, right? I would say among the top three companies that have profited from wokeism, one of them is the Daily Wire. And I like the Daily Wire. I just subscribe to them so I can watch their trans documentary. I get to watch a guy who thinks that you should be ashamed of every boner you have that isn't affiliated with your wife. Um, tell us what truth is, I guess. I get to watch that and talk to people in Africa about trans people. I don't know. It's Matt Walsh doing Matt Walsh stuff because Matt Walsh likes attention. And he's really found a lane here that's got him money and got him popular. That's fine. I have no, I have no, there's no shame in that, right? Do your thing. I don't think you have, as, as somebody who believes in, in mythology as fact, I don't think you really have a lot of... Um, uh, let's see, um, credibility when it comes to capital T truth, but do your thing, right? Make your money, do your grift. Don't care. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to cover it for the uh, Patreon. It's going to be fun. But at the end of the day, if you really care about the kids and I know people say, well, I agree with you on both of them. Well, which one are you most loud about? Are you, I feel like you should be most loud about the things that are actually damaging large numbers of children and really impacting them in their future lives. And a lot of that has to do with health and wellness and mental health and wellness are a big part of that too, right? But none of it really involves calling teachers groomers and accusing them of, of child abuse. You can't, these people are not abusing their children. They're taking a different route than you were, but I think that that indoctrinating children into a religion before they know what, what the before they before they've gotten old enough to even believe there's not monsters in their closet is also child abuse, and that's based on my beliefs. Now, do I need to project those beliefs onto everybody as if that's the way to live your life? No, that's not my. I have a right to speak my mind, but I don't have a right to project my values onto everybody else as if as if they asked for it, and neither do you, Crenshaw. Neither do you. So it's not about agreeing or disagreeing with gender ideology. What I'm talking about here is getting to the roots of why we think it's okay and just overlook the fact that we have corporations and gigantic lobbies lying to our children that is resulting in health consequences that will last a lifetime, that will severely impact somebody's ability to do so many things with their life. We're worried more about the fraction of a fraction of a percent of people who get transitioned early and want to transition back, and we blow those stories up. We blow those stories up. That's what gets the clicks. That's what does it. It's like, but really, you're spending all this time and energy to save a handful of people. But if we had that same kind of feverish fucking fire, under making sure, over making sure that our schools presenting kids with accurate information and honest nutritional advice and movement 
and got Coca-Cola the fuck out of there where there's no incentives for this, right? No incentives. <laughs> maybe, we'd, we, maybe we'd move into a better direction. Maybe we could get together on that instead of hating each other over it because I really think all this attention given to these, these movements just make you seem like you're anti-trans or anti-gay or whatever, and that just makes the other side more feverish, which then feeds back into this side getting more attention and that side getting more attention, and now everybody's getting attention, and the whole world is made of attention whores now, so that's where we're living. It's bickering back and forth on the internet over nothing. You know, yeah, it's bad ideology, but usually bad ideology just kind of fades out if you don't give it enough attention, but you just keep bringing it to life And when you have a financial incentive for it to exist, Daily Wire, well, you don't really want to see it go away. You want to see it louder than ever because that gets you clicks and subscribers. So whenever we look at this stuff and what I want you to think about and what I've been thinking about a lot lately is, is it really about the kids? Now, a lot of people said, hey, like, I care a lot about both these things. I'm like, well, that's good. That's good. Then maybe think about what you share and how you share it and add that caveat in there. Or follow some things that are less trendy and less clickbaity and share that. So we got a real problem here, and it's not getting any better. In fact, it's gotten much, much worse since COVID started. And we got to do something about it. So just think about that. Is it really about the kids? Well, guys, thank you for being here. I appreciate you all so much. I appreciate you guys giving me an understanding about just kind of needing a minute to gather my thoughts there. But I think I brought it back. I brought it back live. We're good. Breathing some life back into this whole shebang. Um, keep your head on straight. Join the Patreon. All those fun things. Fucking love you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.